what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Hey, Pat. New year. New you. New ads. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. We've had a wonderful year of sponsorship by our four wonderful people that carried us throughout the year. Truly, the sponsorship that comes from these guys, Jason Furman, Einzer Wiener Dog Quip. <laughs> Jason was the first person to reach out, like episode one. Hey, I want to sponsor the show. We're yep. like, fuck off, mate. Then <laughs> <laughs> several months later, we're like, uh, we could do some of that money now, yep. Jason. So we apologize. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank mm. you so much. Mm. But truly, where I get all my dog-related items mm-hmm. is Einswick Dog Quip. And amazing hoodies. Yeah. No, I do have a really good hoodie from Jason. Yeah, I've got a great hoodie from Jason yeah. as well. But I continue to get all my stuff. When I need dog training gear, Jason's my first point of call. Yep. I just bought a meal off him again. for Another meal? Yeah, for my sister. Yep. I'm going to do some little meal content. He is incredibly generous and very supportive to the industry. He is. And doing amazing work on his weight loss as well. So go, Jason. His problem, though, is doesn't ship to the US. Oh, what an absolute turd burglar. Step in. Mac Point. Mac Point. Oh, are you talking Mark with a C? Carc Point. <laughs> Canine Dynamics. Yes. He's in Canada. Yep. But he's, well, he does service the whole world, but just stay out of Jason Territory, fucking Mark Point. North America. Who do you reckon would win between them? Mark's a cop. He has a gun. Yep. Jason has guns. Yep. I don't know. It'd be an interesting battle. If we can organise it. Let's do an MMA match between Carc Point and <laughs> Furman. <laughs> Not really. Love them both. So if you're in North America and you want some dog gear, yep. Canon Dynamics, that's a place to get it. Yes, absolutely. Great range, really good website, very intuitive. It makes life so easy to order product. Yep. You know who else has been supporting the show for a long, long time? That would have to be the lady herself from Ashland, Virginia. Melanie the the train town. Yes, Melanie Benware. Yep. She does these little home school things. Yeah. And I think the reason that our listeners should be getting in contact with her is because they know someone mm. in Ashland, Virginia, that needs their dog homeschooled, or they want to learn about that kind of program themselves. And they, as a trainer, could book a session to get some time with Melanie Benware. And she's been busier than ever, which is great. Yeah. Hopefully, she's got some transactions from the canine paradigm. Yes, hopefully. Mm. You know where you could get... A killer Dutch Shepherd or German Shepherd? That would have to be the wonderful people, Patrick and Alicia Lockett from House Amberg. One and the same. Yep. That's them. If I were in Europe, and Europe's the place to get the dogs. Yep. If I were in Germany, that's where I'd go. But Mm. the good news is you don't have to be in Germany. They can ship all over the world. All over the world. Mm. You want yourself a sweet-ass Dutchie? Yep. Talk to them. Or a German Shepherd. I don't know why you'd want a German Shepherd, but if you do. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Well, the best ones around will come from them. That's a sponsor killer in itself. (laughs) (laughs) No, really, those guys have supported the show for a long time. Jason from the start, Mark, Mel, and Patrick and Alicia at House Amberg, Shepherds. We really appreciate you guys supporting the show. And good quality people as well, good quality products. Moving forward on that, we only take those sponsorships from those guys because 
We know them. We trust them. We believe in them. Yep. Going forward into 2022, we know that some of you fucking fast forward these ads. Oof. Not everybody listens to the ads. Absolute disgusting. So we're thinking, we're not, nothing's set in stone, but we're thinking about changing the structure of the ads at the front to yep. give our sponsors better value and maybe just reading one each time and mm-hmm. then bringing more people into the rotation if that's something people are interested in doing. Yes. So stand by for information on that. So if you do want to be a 2022 sponsor and you're happy to continue with us, let us know. We'll be canvassing that shortly. But for those of you who have been supporting us, just like our wonderful listeners, we just want to thank you very, very much. Really appreciate everything you've contributed. All right. We love you. We do. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart, and I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Three in a row. We've done it. We've found the time. Yeah, it's great. How are you, sir? I'm good. I went on this sort of crazy mental journey the other day, and I just want to kind of explain it a little bit. Yeah. So my dog's injured again. He's always fucking injured, but he's broken his foot. All right. Both, um, apparently. Yeah, both, both feet. Although yep. one, one of the breaks, it appears to be quite an old break. Now, that when they did the x-ray, they're like, he's broken one foot for sure. Yep. And they're like, the other one has a break in the same place, but it looks like a very old break. So he's just lunatic. Are, are you surprised? It's Remy. Not at all. I'm not at all surprised. Yep. Uh, and it's not like a huge deal. There's nothing they can do. Just I just have to rest him. There's no casts or anything like that. It's no surgeries can be done. It's just, it is what it is. Anyway, I was telling my neighbors about it, right? Because they wanted to throw the ball for him and he wants the ball thrown. And I was like, oh, don't throw the ball. He's got he's got a broken foot. And then I started listing off all his injuries. And he has, you know, last week we had my list of injuries. Remy has a pretty similar list of injuries to me, right? Mm. So I was talking about Remy and how he's always injured and whatever. And the conversation sort of went down this path of how's he going to go getting old? And I just kind of laugh because I've just never imagined him old. Like I just don't, I just don't see that for Remy. It sneaks up on you really fast, you know? Yeah, but I just don't like Val's going to live to be a hundred. Mm. I'm surprised every day when I wake up and Remy's alive, I'm like, yes, another day with you. And we were talking about, we had this whole conversation about dogs getting old and, you know, the, the sadness that comes around having to make the decision for those dogs, you know, mm. like, and because we are able to care for dogs medically so well as well as like in our homes the average person cares for their dogs so well and is so willing to do things for their dogs like you and and ladybug for example right like yep. was paralyzed for a long period i think most people probably would do the same they wouldn't give the, the level of care that you could and the rehab but they're willing to make a lot of sacrifices for their dogs right more people so that, these days like now right yeah if you're going back 20 years you would just say oh look it's a dog well let's cry about it now and put it yeah. to sleep yeah but so Nowadays, people really, we get old dogs, yep. right? Because uh, we're willing to care for them. Like I said, I've just never imagined Rebby being old. And we had the conversation about putting a dog to sleep and what it would be, like, what would I do that day? Like, you know, people talk about, like, you know, give them their big meal or whatever it is like that, right? Their, their last right. And it led me down this sort of, uh, I had this whole big sort of mental journey thinking about how what people would do if if you knew it was your dog's last day mm. what people would do in regards to like for their dog on that last day and it, for me i thought that is a window into what people think is fulfilling for that dog 
And you could almost use that as a litmus test for people. If you said like, if you knew it was your dog's last day, what would you do? Right. Imagine he's healthy. He can physically do whatever. Right. But it's his last day. And what would you do? And very often you hear like, oh, you know, I'd give him his big meal or whatever. And it kind of becomes a little bit of a window into that's what you think your dog wants. And I had this whole thought. I was like, if, if I knew it was Remy's last day, and it's such a morbid thing to think, but I'm getting to a point here, right? Like, what would that day look like to him? And I know exactly what that fucking day looks like. Like, I can describe it to you hour for hour what it looks like. None of it involves some special food, right? Because he's not a – he eats his dog food. That's it, right? Mm. <laughs> so maybe I feed him raw that day instead of kibble. But mostly – it revolves around things that we would be doing together and it would be training related and it would be where we would go and the activities that we would go on. That's if you're capable of doing it. With the dog on its last day. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. So mm. imagine that the dog isn't injured and all that, right? Like yeah. what is fulfilling to your dog? And mm. and if you were to say that to someone like now, like what is it? You, if you want to give your dog the best experience of its life, right? What would you do? So I had this whole thought and I thought it out to myself and I thought, you know, like I planned a whole day around both my dogs and they would be really different days. Like if I was just going to give them their ultimate day and I'm proud to say that it wouldn't be very different from every fucking day. Mm. Right. Because like my dogs are pretty well fulfilled. Like they do what they were bred to do for the most part. They lead pretty happy lives. They really want for not much. I give them what they want and need. Uh, and I was pretty proud of that. And I thought that this is an interesting one that like, I, I'm going to ask more people that I'm going to introduce that as a thing that I ask people, like if it was your dog's last day, what would you do? And then help them develop from there. Like, okay, but like, what is your dog into? Like, how do you fulfill your dog? And just like tease out and unpack the idea of what fulfills your dog and really coming to understand that rather than just saying like, I make him happy via a big meal because you know, that's very fleeting, right? Like that makes them happy for 10 minutes mm. right, while they're eating the meal. So I had this whole thought about dog's last day. And then yesterday I opened Facebook and I was really sad to see that Stacy Bella's Tuco died. Mm. So just sort of an indicator into that dog. Stacy is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Like a true gentleman, like honestly, one of the nicest, most genuine, welcoming, really a great guy. I can't say enough good things about Stacy. I met him in 2016 when I was first wanting to do PSA and decided, hey, I'm going to go to nationals and I'm going to you know, see who these guys are right, and, and watch a trial and see what is this game all about before I commit to trying to get it going in Australia. So I contacted the two clubs in Dallas, mm-hmm. Koi Fam and Derek Rose's clubs, and I, they kind of trained together quite often. Though it's two yep. separate clubs. They're pretty tight uh, and said, hey, can I train with you guys the week before nationals? I'm going to be there. I just want to learn the sport, whatever. So I turned up, I turned up, I'd never been to a PSA club before, right? And I turn up and it's at this facility of one of the guys in the club and they're training there because that's where Nationals is going to be. And I'm early and Coy makes some joke to me about like, oh, did you bring a suit? And I was like, well, I did. It's in the car. And they were like, oh, fuck, okay, put it on. Now, I've never caught a PSA dog at this point. This is 2016. I've never, with, there's no PSA happening in Australia. I've never seen it in real life. And Stacey's in there with Tuco. They're the first PSA team I've ever seen. And they were competing at nationals that year, right? In the level three. They didn't have the level three, but they were competing in the level three. Mm. Spoiler alert, he won, right? Yep. So I'm in there. He's sort of getting his dog out. And the dog is not doing anything. There's people in suits around. The dog's just kind of chilling out in his lap, getting padded. Could give two fucks about people around. Sounds like a great dog. 
But I haven't seen a PSA dog, right? And mm. and I've seen dogs that can do that, you know, like I've seen plenty of dog people who have really good control over yeah. their dogs, right? Mm. But not consistently. To me, the people that I'd seen do that were anomalies. They were exceptions, not the rule. Yep. And they still are, largely, right? And so Stacy starts healing around with his dog and he says, You got a stick? I'm like, Yeah, got my clatter stick here. He says, what are you doing? I'm going to be healing. He used to be tapping him on the back end of the stick as I'm healing and just try and sort of distract him out of the healing position. I'm like, oh, yeah. So I kind of walk in cautiously. I'm rattling the stick. He's like, no, like really get in there. Like not like, yeah, clatter stick here, but be touching him with the stick, right? Try and get him away from the heel. So he's walking around with Tuco and the dog's healing beautifully. And I'm thinking any minute he's going to send this dog to bite me because I'm I'm the only decoy in here doing this. Everybody's kind of watching this random Australian guy. And I'm hitting the dog with a stick and he pulls out this like shitty bit of fire hose and gives that to the dog. And the dog runs around and plays with him with the fire hose. And I'm left there like a swinging dick. Like I'm expecting I'm going to get bit by this dog because I'm just hitting it while it's healing. And it mm. does not give a fuck about me. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, to be honest. Like I was like, these guys are at another level, yep. right? And Stacey... For, for my skill set at the time and my experience in seeing PSA dogs, he's the first one I've ever seen. And then, of course, he sent the dog to bite me later and the dog fucked my arm up. Like, it's, it's a lot of dog, right? Like, <laughs> yep. could really bite. But he was the first PSA dog I ever saw working. The first one I've ever saw. And he, he won nationals and no one passed. He didn't pass the trial. It was like, you know, like typical level three nationals was an almost unpassable event. What ended up happening at the, he, he was so close. He was a bee's dick away from passing. He passed the obedience. Mm. And then in the bite work on the second day, I think it was the very first, on oh no, the very first scenario was a muzzle scenario. And Sean was the decoy and he was pretending to be Justin Bieber. I mm-hmm. think it was that he was wearing the wig. There's oh, photos wow. of him around. And <laughs> so Tuco's just smashes him. In fact, that dog's so powerful in the muzzle. Ted Summers from Working Dog Radio, mm-hmm. he's got a video of Tuco knocking him the fuck out, right? On a passive muzzle strike, he's laying on the floor pretending to be unconscious and the dog makes him unconscious. Wow. Right? Just comes in and fucking pummels him in the head with the muzzle, right? Yep. So like mm-hmm. super powerful dog. Mm. Anyway, so the second scenario is this like pressure test where Sean Siggins yep. is in this like real small room and it was like a wash bay because it was at a kennel facility, right? So it was in this like tiny wash bay and the dog has to get sent from outside like on the field down mm. this hallway into there to a guard and then gets attacked by Sean and it's the pressure test, right? So like usually in a PSA level three, there'll be some sort of like environmental pressure test. You would have seen the video I just did from nationals. It was in the back of a, a yeah, van, the van, yeah. van, right? Mm. So it's it's a chainsaw. In that instance, it was a, a whipper snipper, like without the things in it. So it's safe, you know what I mean? But it's a very scary scenario. Mm. I learned yesterday that whippersnipper is strictly Australian. It's a weed whacker or a, a weed whacker. Yeah. yeah. Or a line trimmer. But yeah, so he's got one of those, a fire hose. And there was another decoy in the roof shooting paintball gun at the dog with no paintballs in it, but just the pressure hitting yep. the dog. So like a really extreme scenario. Dog goes in there, handles it perfectly, but it has a real fight with Seagans. The next scenario is a flea, a call off. So again, it was Sean Edwards. He was running away towards a van. The dog gets sent to bite him. He has to call off the dog. And then Sean goes behind the van. And while the dog is calling back to the handler, five other decoys and Sean all come running out. And now it's like a six man courage test, mm. right? Against a dog with his, they're coming at the back of the dog. Yep. The dog's coming back to the handler and the dog has to send it. 
Tuco <laughs> weaved through the decoys to get to Sigurds because he was like, you're the motherfucker that I was just in that room with, yeah. right? So he actually like was dodging other decoys, like get out of my way. That's the one I'm biting, right? Yep. Like none of you are worthy. He's the one that's getting it. Anyway, the last scenario where he he bit was this kind of like star-shaped call-off where it was like four cones and they had to send the dog. And they were real short range and he had to call off. And then on the fifth one, it was going to be a bite. And he just couldn't get the – like the when it was at Sigan's, before he even finished saying Stellan, the dog had bit. Mm. <laughs> so it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like the dog blew a call off. It was just that it he just didn't get the word out in time because the dog was so fast. The dog was like, fuck that guy. I'm biting him. Yep. And so he did the best. He won nationals but, but didn't pass. And he later got his PSA 3. Wow. But this incredible dog that it was a, a privilege to – have met. It was a privilege to have worked. And, you know, I, I feel lucky that that was my introduction to PSA was that dog, such mm. an incredible, incredibly powerful dog, incredibly stable dog with such a gentleman handler. It was for me, I have no doubt in my mind that the reason one of the big contributing factors to why I'm so committed to that game is because of that handler team. And that being my first exposure. For you, that sounds like one of the greatest days of your life. And for the dog, it was just a Saturday. Yeah, totally. Mm. 100%. That's the kind of dog it was, yep. right? Like just super, super stable, super powerful, cool. really cool dog. That's a nice story. So, you know, really sadly, he, in 2018, right when he got his PSA 3, started suffering from some cancers and they had been cutting those out. And mm. eventually yesterday, Stacey made the call to put him to sleep, right? Uh, how old was the dog? Do we know? Yeah, I think he was probably about nine, maybe 11. I'm not sure. I can't remember the dates. But so- yeah, you know, Stacey wrote up this really beautiful post about the dog, right? Yep. And he's heartbroken about it, of course. Of course, yeah. But he put up this beautiful post about what they did with the dog. And I think a lot of people and most, you know, I would have said this in the past, like most of the dogs that bite, we think of like, oh, well, I take them and they get their bite. And I've even seen a video of a dog being put to sleep on the bite, right? Yep. But I feel like that's really fuck all of it. Like I feel like, yeah, the dog likes that. But he did bite work the week earlier. You know, like it wasn't like he was lacking for bite work. It wasn't like that dog lived only to do bite work. And mm. certainly when you saw that dog, it was like he'd see people in the suit and he'd just be like, congratulations, you're wearing a bite suit. Like you're a big tug. And the dog was civil. He'd bite for realsies. You know, like they had all the things in place. But what he did to fulfill his dog was he spent the day with the dog, right? Mm. They went and ran around in the grass and they went swimming and, you know, spent like a beautiful time with the dog. And of course he gave the dog the big meal. Like we always say that that's one of the things you do. You ate cheeseburgers and whatever, mm. but he gave the dog this like experience with him. Mm. And I feel like that's one of the things that we kind of overlook when we talk about that biological fulfillment. This yep. is me coming around full circle. When I think, you know, when people say, what would you do? Like, what is it your dog likes the most? Chances are, if you're a good owner, it's you. Right. It's experiences. Yeah, yeah. It's experiences yep. with you. And it's not, it's, it might be sitting on the couch with you, depending on the dog. Yeah. But very likely it's going swimming with you or going hiking with you or mm. playing fetch with you. Right. It's those kinds of things. And so I think that's one of the, you know, I don't know you going forward. I wanted to give like a little bit of a tribute to Stacey and Tuco. I think that like I wanted to discuss that and I wanted to, you know, make people aware of them who aren't. Mm. Right. But I also it's wanted appreciation to. appreciation too. It's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm. You know, I'll tell you a funny story about Stacey. So. <laughs> <laughs> We've just gone to this incredibly sad story. And yeah. Well, let's follow it up with this one. So. Yeah, okay. Me and him have this running joke. And it, I mean, I'll never forget it. We were 
training together almost every day in that lead up to nationals and at open field, I was there to work, man. I was, I was working. So I was doing stuff with the police during the day that week in Texas. I was at the Napoada police dog certification by day and training with the PSA club all night, man. I was under the pump because I was like, I'm here. I'm getting the most bang for my fucking buck that I can. Mm. So at open field on the Friday, I was on the field all day decoying for people, right? Because, and this is how I met so many people in PSA and I was, you know, willing to work all these dogs and I was learning. Yeah. I was there to learn what, what is a PSA one dog? What is a PSA three dog? And and how does that look in between? And what yeah. do we do to, what does training look like for those dogs? That's where I was there to learn it. Anyway, so I'm running around the field and someone wanted to do a, a food refusal, but I didn't know. And all I saw was that Stacy comes over. He's like, Pat, Pat, come over here. And I, I go running over. And I mean, I've been on the field like six hours, right? I'd be, I was there from six in the morning, people fucking getting pumped. And this is kind of mid-morning. And he's like, here, you're going to need this. And he hands me like a McDonald's McMuffin. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I started eating it. And he bursts. <laughs> he's hysterically laughing. And he goes, that's for the food refusal. And I was like, well, I guess I failed, right? Like, I guess I failed the food refusal. And he goes, mate, that's been in the, like, footwell of my car for days. Oh, man. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> anyway, so I failed the food refusal. Hey, you know, listening to you talking about this story with Stacey and just talking about kind of the last days with your dog, I remember when we had Dave Croyer on the show and he mm. was talking about when he was done with his IPO career or IGP career and just getting a dog that he could be at liberty with, you mm. know, like just enjoy the dog and, and not be so regimented and fixated on having to do the trial system in and out, day in, day out sort of thing. That fucking spun around in my head like crazy, mm. you know, like. Don't get me wrong. It's great for some people and their dogs. It's important to do that thing together, you mm -hmm. know, and it is important to do that thing together. Some dogs are just biologically fulfilled by doing that with you. But the other day I was out playing with Randy and Macho out in the backyard and they'd run off and do something and, you know, I'd go in a different direction. And I just realized that every time I showed interest in something, they were interested in that. Yeah. yeah. Like whatever they had at the time, they'd drop it and come over and say, what do you got? What are you doing? And it was just, like you said, it's time with me, mm. you know, and that we really dawned on me is that it's really important for these dogs. Like they like doing their things and certainly it kicks them in a drive when they go into the shed and, you know, they see a decoy there, but they also, I don't think that's just the only important thing to them. No way. You know, it's like, it's kind of like when you're tired, you want to sleep. When you're hungry, you want to eat, you know, like that's important to you at the time. And it's identifying to you that that's only a section of life. It's not life itself. Mm. And I think that when you get philosophical about it and when you really sort of think about it and you put effort into thinking about it and you jogging my memory, talking about that. And certainly that story from Dave Croyer, that was like an epiphany. I appreciate you talking about that story because it sort of woke up things that I've been thinking about on and off over the last couple of weeks and months. Mm. Those sort of things, you miss the point on them sometimes. Like life does go by really quickly. The sad thing is our faces are stuck in our phones so often, mm -hmm. you know, like we're preoccupied by all of the drama of what this celebrity said to this celebrity, we're not really living in the present. Does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. we kind of talked about that last week about, you know, about the teachings of Luke and Yoda in, in the Empire Strikes Back, the Star Wars trilogy. But those sort of things, it might sound funny, but people might say, oh, talking about a, you know, like a puppet and a guy talking, but I'm talking about the teachings. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about the realisation of, of the, I guess, the wisdom behind it that makes you really think deeply about things because, there's a picture of a guy sitting on a park bench with his dog. It's a grayscale picture. Mm -hmm. And in the picture, he's got like four balloons above his head. He's thinking about 
travel, like just being elsewhere. Work and money. Yeah, work and money. And the dog's image, the one image that the dog is, is sitting on the park bench with him. Yeah. Like just a mirror replicant of what they're doing at the time. What it goes to show is what the perfect day for the dog is. Sitting there. Yeah, living it. He's sitting on a park bench with his owner, the best place he could possibly be at. And I think sometimes we miss the point sometimes as we forget to be present. Some of the days that you're having is real living, you know, like you might miss the point. And I think it was John Lennon who once said that time that you enjoyed is not time wasted. Mm. So sometimes people might be critical of you and saying, well, that seems like a waste of time to me. But if you enjoyed it, fuck them. Mm. fuck them right in their face because (laughs) seriously people are too busy to tell you what you should find as a good time yeah whereas it like if you pat stewart are finding something valuable and goofing around or doing something silly at home or something like that who am i to tell you what your perfect moment of time should be yeah you should be allowed to enjoy that time unencumbered and give a fuck what anybody else says. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's funny, as you get older, that dawns on you more. Like, you think about these sort of things more. You don't think about them when you're younger because when you're younger, you just know that you've got more time. Mm. You know, when you get older and you realise, you know, that sand is running fast out of the mm. out of the hourglass, you do start thinking about that more. Like, you're thinking, I'm not middle-aged anymore. I'm past middle age. In 30 years' time, I might not be here anymore. I'm, I might not exist on this earth because I'll be 80 at that stage. Mm. And that's a different bracket. You know, it puts you in a different lifestyle. So you do contemplate these sort of things and you do think about, like ever since you started talking about this, I've, you know, I was looking at the pictures of my dogs up there and I was thinking about the last day I had with each one of them. Mm. And some of my friends who we go around to their place, like a friend of mine who many years ago had his old Roddy when he passed away. And all the day he, sorry, let me rephrase, the day that before he got had his dog put down, he had a barbecue and invited everybody around and all we did was just let that dog be at total liberty and mm. steal food off people and fucking run around like an idiot and everything the dog was never really allowed to do, he was allowed to do it. Mm. You know, like he got total carte blanche to do whatever he wanted because who cares? Yeah. There is no rules today. Today there, it's just live free, man. Like do what you want to do. Mm. Do what you want to do and be what you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's the next phase in the song. Yeah. yeah it's a funny one and and i think i think it's worth discussing and bringing up with dog people because i think that yes why wait till that last day Mm. right i was really truly proud of the fact that if i knew it was going to be my dog's last day not a lot would be different like aside from that i would be paying more attention to the day we wouldn't do anything too differently to what we would do on any normal day. Mm. We'd get up, we'd, I'd let him go and take a shit out on the street where he likes to take a shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I would, we'd go down in the park where we always go to train. We'd do some training, right? Like, and yeah. that would be, you know, we'd do some high arousal kind of stuff. I'd teach him something new because he, he always loves like solving a problem. Yep. I'd let him chase birds until he came back to me and was like, I'm done chasing birds. Then we'd go for a walk around the big area that we go into and he'd sniff all the things that he wants to sniff. We go home, he'd be exhausted. He'd fall on the floor and be panting until 11. And then in the afternoon, he'd hang out with the kids that he loves. He's in, he's obsessed with one of my neighbor kids. So yep. that he, he loves her. They can hang out. 
in the evening we'd go out to the school where we go and we'd fuck around with the ball for 20 minutes like we do and play like this. Then we'd go back into my garage and play this stupid bull rush game that he's invented that I just go along with. And that'd be it. But like, that's every day. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what we do most days. It's got to be, he's got to have a broken foot for us to to deviate from that, mm. right? And I usually, I try pretty hard, you know, like I work a couple of, you know, I'm doing a lot of different shit at the moment. And if that means I've got to be somewhere, like tomorrow morning, I'm going for an interview about him to for another gig. Yeah, I got to be there at 7.30, which normally would mean that's me up at 4.30 to make sure that all that shit happens before I have to go to work to be at this thing, right? So it's like, I don't know, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it and, and I'm happy that that's the life that my dog gets to lead. And I want to do more to encourage others to really investigate, like, is your dog happy with the life that it has? And what more can you do within the construct, within the confines of the life that you can give it, mm. right? And I think that for the most part, it's doing things with people. I think that, like, this idea that the dog wants more than just the relationship with the person it's usually like whatever they want to do, for the most part, they want to do it with you. Yeah. Once again, listening to you talking about this, it reminded me of Birdie with Luna. Yeah. To those who don't know, Birdie had to put Luna to sleep not mm-hmm. long ago. She was starting to have seizures and a bunch of stuff going wrong. And Birdie and Dan were pretty much at that crossroad where they primarily thought this is not a quality of life for this dog anymore. Birdie messaged me and let me know that Luna was due to be put to sleep. She was telling me same thing along the lines of what you're talking about, that she just had this beautiful day planned together to be in the garden with her and just to be with the dog doing things that she enjoyed doing with the dog. And after it happened, I messaged her and I said, are you, are you okay? How are you? And she said, look, I'm, I'm really good, to be honest, because it was a beautiful day and the sun mm. was out and she said the cicadas were singing and bees were all flying around in the flowers. And she said, and Luna and I just got to sit together. The vet came there. And she said, it was just like Luna just drifted off to sleep. Mm. And that was the end. There was no struggle. There was no pain. It was just peaceful and beautiful. And she said, for me, that was the best way that I could respect my dog and see her out. Mm. And I thought, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, like it's a hard day. It's a day that I don't envy in anyone because every fucking time, oh God, I'm getting choked up thinking (laughs) about it. Every time I think about it with my own dogs, it's a day that I really want to avoid. Of course. It's a day that you know that's going to be it. The final day that you don't have them there to pat them. The routines are gone. The, yeah. It's a hole. It's a void. Mm. I'm not trying to make this a Dawn thing, but Dawn still left a massive void in my life. I can feel her gone from me every day. That's mm. terrible. But I wrote a beautiful eulogy for her. My family really appreciated it. I spent time, I rewrote it like probably a dozen times before I felt that I could keep it brief enough, but also to the point. Mm. But the thing is, is I told Dawn all those things before she died. Yeah, You know, like, because when mum's partner Bob died a while ago, we were hearing all these amazing stories about him at his his eulogy. And I thought, that's not right. That's not how it should be. You shouldn't be able to celebrate the life of somebody you love or a dog that you enjoy after they've gone. Yeah. Like that shouldn't dawn on you that, oh, I should have done this or I should have told them that. I think what you said before, Pat, is really really instrumental in in living the best life that you can be with your dog is knowing that what was important to both of you was lived. It was experienced. It was not in theory. It was in practice. Yeah. You know, every time I've ever had to put a dog down, mm. uh, it's been necessary. It's been the right thing to do. Right. And it's never easy. I had a client recently that, you know, had to, had to put a dog down, a young dog too. Right. Mm. 
it's a huge kick in the dick, but it's never a decision that anyone that I or anyone I know ever takes lightly, right? Like it's a, you know, it is always the right thing to do by the people who I know who have always done it and myself as well, right? Mm. The dog has become, in some instances, the dog is no longer itself and it's dangerous because of, you know, health or sickness, whatever. Or it's just quality of life has diminished to the point where it is in just pure suffering and there's no good times, right? And so it's always the right thing to do when you do it. But for me and every time I have, the worst part is going home afterwards mm. and, and the dog not being there. That's yeah. the killer. Yeah. That missing. So it's like you say goodbye to the dog. You you, you decide like this is, has to be done. This is what we've got to do. You know, and the actual act of doing it usually is very sad. But, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're there with the dog. But it's then when you come home that and the dog's not there that you're like, oh, fuck. That in every instance for me has been where you re- it really sinks in and you go, oh, shit, this is life is different now. You know that three-panel meme of Pablo Escobar where he's sort of just sitting on a swing and then he's like look, yeah, yeah. walking around lost? That's how I feel every time. Yeah. Like I literally feel like that that meme is supposed to be funny and most of the times when I see that I think that's how I feel when when I lose someone close or a dog that's close. What's the context of that in the show? I haven't watched the show. Why was he doing that? I don't – I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched Narcos. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't – I don't know what he's actually doing, but yeah, I get what you mean. It's that like you're, oh, you're lost. Now? You're like you just your routine is completely disrupted, and that's why you realize it's. A, that's why I'm talking about. That's why when you experience the void, because you f- you fill it back up with other things over time. Like you know, as as we all know, pain is not forever. That mourning that you feel is for a period of time, but it, it's literally like having a tooth yanked out. It leaves a big hole there for a period of time. You know, and the, and you feel it. You know it's there. Like you're constantly aware that it's like that whole routine is is disrupted, and that's I think that's what brings on the sadness in it too. Like you think, holy shit, you know, like I would be doing this with my dog, or I'd be doing, you know, we'd be going here, or we'd be hanging out and doing some bite work or something, but I can't do it now mm. because that dog is gone. You know, like Stacy is experiencing that. Sean and Janet lost Danny not long ago, and they would be experiencing that. And Birdie would learn, and there's probably. A hundred other people listening to this podcast who recently lost a dog or know someone who's lost a dog who will be experiencing that. Or even a loved one, just a loved one, like just somebody that you care about, something or somebody that you care about. Yeah. You know, that's the tricky part about dogs and their short fucking lives. Oh, it's crushing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but to be honest, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? Like it's the unfortunate side of owning a dog, but for all the joy that they bring you, it's a crushing conclusion. Mm. But it doesn't account for all of the joy and the love that you had in between. Like that entire time, the celebration of the puppy, the annoyance of the puppy, the learning skills, hanging out, finally having that dawning of connection between the two of you where it's like a, it's like finally getting that annoying Bluetooth thing to finally connect up and you <laughs> finally get it and you celebrate thinking, yes, it's talking to each other and and you have that for such a period of time and then all of a sudden you become aware. Like like I look at Randy. Randy's only eight, but I can see his face getting older. Yeah, he's yeah. Got, his eyes aren't as shiny as they used to be. And I looked at him the other day and I thought, we're both getting older, man. We're old dogs now. I just realized that he's getting to that stage. Like especially with Roddy's, I always used to tell everybody, as soon as your Roddy turns 10, cherish every day after. Yeah. Because it's really downhill from there. Yeah. Five to eight. I think with dogs is it's like the best years. Yeah. Because fight, like it, 
you're in sync. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're not in sync with your dog by the time it's five years old, like you got some shit going on, right? It's, it might not be the right dog for you. There could be reasons. There could be good reasons why not. Yeah. But I feel like for the most part with every dog I've owned that like by the time they're five, they know everything they're ever going to need to know. Yeah. You're just living together, living your best lives. You're in sync with each other. You've found a level. You've found some level of harmony. Mm. The dog's still like fit, healthy. They're humming along and they will be – for the most part, depending on the breed, they will continue to be powerful and healthy and everything goes along well until they're about eight years old. And then exactly as you say, that's when it starts to sort of like, oh, I'm getting old now. Well, even the other day, like Randy and I are out playing in the field in the backyard and we've got the old PSA car out there. Now, mm-hmm. usually he will run up on top of that and jump off the roof and I'd let him. But the other day he went to do it and, and as he jumped off, I ran over and caught him. Yeah. And I'm thinking that, no, no, you're too old now yeah, to do yeah. that. He's kind of looked at me like, because I, you know, like I darted over and grabbed him and he's kind of looking at me like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I felt terrible that I had to do it, but I, I kind of thought, well, I don't want my old man to hurt himself. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like he's, he's getting, he's getting to a senior stage. Yeah. Now. Mind you, Valerie's eight and she's like, no sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no not, indication not of slowing down at all. She, what's been interesting with her, she's gotten like an old lady body. Like she's kind of more bloated. She's still fit very very fit but she's changed shape quite a bit mm. right like she has she's she's um she's a little football now yeah but and so a lot of people who knew her when she was really young they look at her and go oh my god she's fat and i'm like touch her she ain't fat like she's, she's solid she's bigger like yeah. she's just got like a bigger rib her, metab- her metabolism's changed like her body, yeah. body structure has changed and her color has really changed as well she was mostly white with a couple of liver spots mm. now she's like quite a brown dog there's mm. a lot of brown throughout her and it's real interesting to watch them grow old and and see that maturity change like eight years not that i mean you change a lot as a person in eight years for sure but not as drastically as a dog and you get to watch them like you know i saw remy when he was like i, I saw val when she was four weeks old i saw remy when he was about eight days old yep you know and held them and knew that we're going to be mine and that we're going to spend all this time together and mm. getting to watch them go through that whole iterations of their life you know i was looking for an old photo the other day i had to go back through remy's instagram which i'm so like i neglected a bit now but i'm so glad that i did that and kind of documented his life you know up until recently i just don't use it very much anymore but like i've got all these baby photos of yep like i've got a record yeah watching Mm. him grow up and you can remember all the stupid shit he used to do i have a photo of him drinking bart's beer that was if it's like at, at one of the gold schools, we were, we were at this, it was when he was 12 weeks old, we were at, yep. a, at this bench and he jumped on the counter and was like, it's hot as fuck day. And he was like, there's liquids, I'm going after it. And me trying to pull him back. And you're just like fun shit, you know? Mm. Oh dear. Dogs. For the people who are listening to this podcast and for us, they've occupied such a massive part of our life. Yeah. You know, it's just a, I, I just can't imagine not having dogs around me. It, I just don't know what I would do without it. You know, yeah. like I remember the first day I moved into this kennel and the dogs were barking in the back at night and there was trucks hammering up and down on Galston Road. Even though we we're out in a very rural sort of area, I just thought, I can't live here. This is going to drive me crazy because I could hear all the, the night barking and everything like that. And I thought, I'll never get any sleep. I won't be able to function. I won't be able to operate. It's amazing that 11 years on and I don't even notice it anymore. Mm. You know, I do notice it when it gets really loud and I have to go down and do something about it. But Or if we're recording a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> notice it then. It's a blessed life when you think about the fact that you get to 
be in an industry surrounded by the very entities that you have so much adoration for. Yeah, totally. Mm. Hey, I reckon we make it a short one. Yeah, that's fine. I wanted to, you know, just give tribute to Stacey Bella and Tuco. Indeed. A pivotal team in the PSA machine. And especially right? in your introduction. Like Absolutely, for me. And mm. then certainly meeting them and my interactions with them. You know, like first interactions are so important, right? Like you really set the tone for how you're going to perceive things forever. And them being the first PSA team that I ever watched train and was, you know, worked a dog, got, like got bitten by a PSA dog. That set the tone for how I feel about that sport and my career path, really. So, like, I owe a debt of gratitude to those guys. Yep. And then there's a flow-on effect from that, man. Mm. We talk to 40,000 people a week, and there's multiple PSA clubs that have started because we talk about it, and, and like, it's in countries that it wasn't before. And, you know, that goes back to those guys. You know, so I'm forever grateful to them, and I just wanted to sort of pay honor and tribute to them to Stacey especially, you know, like for the work that he did mm. with Tuco. And Tuco's a phenomenal dog, amazing dog. But the work he did with him turned him, you know, unleashed that, you know. That's really nice, man. I yeah, I want to pay tribute to them and then to nice all tribute. dogs, really. Yep. Like everybody, for for them and that story, there's probably everybody knows a hundred of the same. It's quite fitting, really, because you think about all of the young decoys who probably got introduced to Tuco or to Remy or to Randy or any of the dogs. Like I remember several months ago when Randy, just before Christmas, when Randy did a leg bite on Jordan and he hurt Jordan and Jordan had to say, you know, oh, that's enough. Yeah, it is a safe word. And yeah, and pineapple, yeah. And uh, as I was walking back to the backyard with Randy, I was saying, oh, good boy, you hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I reckon most decoys have that dog. That's right. right? It's There's always, there's, uh, I mean, for me in the early days, it was Kane. He was that Rottweiler that I've talked about. Yeah. You know, Kane was legendary in the club. Like he was a... He was just a small Roddy, but he was just such a powerhouse that he would put you on your ass. Yeah. You know, lots of decoys that thought they'd come and test the medal against Kane and he flattened them. He was a, a mal in a Roddy body. Yeah, yeah. And he just used to pummel people. Like you never forget those type of dogs. Yeah. Even uh, there was a guy that we knew back then called Neville Williams and he had a black shepherd called Norse. And yeah. Norse, everybody feared getting bitten by Norse because he would bite real, like he had a clamp that you would never forget. Those dogs are around at that time. You know, yeah. everybody in all the circles all had that dog. Yeah. Well, within the different sports and the different the different cliques, there's those rites of passage dogs. Yes. It's like you want to be taken seriously, that's the dog you have to work. Yeah. Right? You have to get to that. Mm. Right. And I, I've been really lucky. A lot of the rites of passage dogs, I've been fortunate enough to get to work. And, yes. And not contributed to the training of them in any way, shape or form. Just being a fucking chew toy for the dog. Mm. But got to experience that. Right. Like got to be there at my decoy certification it was garen you know the dog that everybody's probably seen the video that instead of going around the blind just just smashes through it right (laughs) and so they had you know there's 25 odd people at my decoy cert and it gets down to six people who are being taken seriously and we're going to decide whether you guys are going to pass or fail right at the end they pre-fatigue us all and then garen's been there the whole time like why why are none of us catching him like why isn't that because they're saving that motherfucker for the end, right? Yep. Like he's fresh, you're not, and you've got to go up against him in the full steam courage test, right? So like there's a rite of passage for me. I, mm. I got to work that dog. The one that I, I'm upset that I have never worked and certainly probably will never get to Big work Roy. is Big Roy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Because that's a true rite of passage. You've got to be invited to work that dog. And it yep. is a truly like you got to go to China, you've got to – like it's a whole thing yep. to get to work Big Roy. 
and I'll, I'll never get to do it. I probably couldn't anyway these days. My body's so fucked up. That dog will bite me in half. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it. Yeah. Hey, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, just demand that your relatives listen to the show, like straight up harass, especially your partner. If mm-hmm. your partner doesn't listen to the show, you should cause a, a marital distress over making them listen. Yep. Who else should they talk people into listening? Well, I think that unless Joe Rogan stops his shenanigans. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we could become number one on Spotify. Well, that's right. We'll off. just take over the, the, the spot as the number one podcaster on Spotify. And Joe Rogan, you just better pull up your horns, man. <laughs> Wait, I saw a meme. It wasn't me. It was a screenshot of um, like someone's Twitter post. It was like, I'd never heard of Joe Rogan until all this bullshit about him. And I went and checked out what it was and I'll be a fan for life. I'm listening every day now. And he goes, thanks, Neil Young, you fucking washed up old piece of shit. <laughs> I, the one that made me laugh today, like I really had a good belly laugh to it, was it said, unless Joe Rogan gets removed from Spotify, Millie Vanilli will pull off somebody else's music off Spotify. <laughs> the funny thing about that was Millie Vanilli was a teen, was this duo back in the late 90s, 90s yeah. early 90s. They were very successful duo, but they were lip syncing. It was somebody else's music. Yeah. They were just two good looking dudes. Two beautiful dudes dancing around. Yeah. Turns out that's all they were. So for me, that was funny because that's back in my fucking rock days. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've seen some funny memes about that. I think it was Nickelback said that they'll put more music on. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what you can do. You just ring up Spotify and just say, listen, unless Joe Rogan stops what he's doing, we're going to demand that the canine paradigm takes his throne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. So do that. Yeah. Uh, If you want to support the show, best way to do that is jump into Patreon. A few bucks a month gets you access to a huge backlog of episodes. Let me just say, I've just been, I've been getting notification that we've had a sprout of memberships pop up. Really? Yeah. Nice. So I think since you did your last Crowdcast, oh, yeah. it's attracted a lot of people in. So thank you to you and thank you to the patrons who came in support. Let me say, some of them have been generous too. Yeah. And that's great because we just got a, like hit with a tax bill the other day, which yeah, was, yeah, it was like one after the other. And I thought, fuck, thank God for Patreon people; they're paying our tax for us. Yeah, thank you very much, Patreon people. Well, it's their fault; they give us money, and we have to pay tax. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the crowdcast problem continues. I'm searching. I tried Ecam Live going straight into YouTube. It's got like a five to eight second delay. Um, so like it just I don't know. We're still searching for a solution. Yeah, we may stick with crowdcast. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to use Ecamm into Crowdcast. That might fix some of the issues. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yep. Technical problems going forward. Mm. I've got a new little setup at home for it. Like I've just changed the angle of the camera. I'm excited about the next one. There'll be a date soon. Yep. Teespring, get yourself some socks and underpants. Mm-hmm. We don't actually have socks or underpants. I know um, Tracy Mammon was really looking forward to yeah. getting our wife. Do they on. have socks and underpants on Teespring? They do have socks. Okay. They have socks, so I will make some socks. Yeah, we should uh, do that. Jane has done some artwork for us for, yeah, we did get a lot of people that put in some artwork for the Bite Sports Curious. Yeah. Jane threw a hat in the ring and I looked at it and thought, oh, that's too good not to it's use. It's hard to beat. It's not a rigged comp because it's my wife. No, no. It's just that she did such a brilliant job at it. And I looked at it and thought, oh, you could not not use that because I think people would be very happy with what she did. I caught her the other day redoing our logo. I looked over her shoulder at her oh, iPad really? and she's redoing our logo. Yeah, she's never liked it because, okay. you know, so she, this is a pencil drawing of hers. Yes. It was before she did any 
digital drawings. She just roughed it in for us. Yeah. So she just did like a, a real quick pencil drawing and then it went to Damon to be like digitized. Yep. And so it's kind of a hybrid of two people's work. And so she's now that she does digital stuff, she's like trying to do. Has like she got a, a website for that? Does she have a? Uh, yeah. So Jane does those doggo tunes. Like if people are still interested in that, it, like she, I think she still does them. People can get in contact with her. They can shoot her an email or look like the best way to get in contact with her is email her jane.stewart at me. I mean, man, she does skateboards and like yeah, anything. surfboards and all sorts of stuff. Like, and yeah. kicks, you know, like people's shoes. She yeah. Does I don't all. know if she does shoes anymore i'm not sure if she's still doing she's those. a very talented girl but she does those doggo tunes which a lot of people have gotten and they're fucking cool yeah like i i really like those and uh i actually got a sticker so tossie little john who uh, she was the first one that jane did she got her to do it of mm. her dog gus she did it and she had that turned into a sticker and posted it to me and that's on my laptop now nice yeah it's a nicely gone full circle hmm Anyway, get in Teespring, buy some cool stuff. Our sponsors are due to renew soon too. So oh, we're yeah. going to be having a word with our sponsors or yeah. we're going to, I think we, Pat and I were just riffing about it the other day and I think we're going to change up the sponsorship program a little bit for the new year. Yeah. I want to do different ads pretty much every episode. I want to, I think that we can give people more bang for their bark by a live read every episode. It's not a live mm. read, but a different one every episode, but uh, we'll do that going forward. It's just more admin, but we'll figure it out. We will. We need a PA. Yes, we do. If anyone wants to be a free PA, <laughs> be the producer and, of the show, Liam and, and Webb. And do media for us and all yeah. sorts of fun stuff. Liam, you're being replaced. Oh, <laughs> you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you want to get in contact with us, we jump into the Facebook group. That's the best place. Be kind to everybody in there. Yep. Or you can shoot us an email. We are info at the Goodbye. Bye.